Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and you can find it in the Church Bibles on page 966. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out for them exactly what time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, am I on? I am on now. Good morning. Um, I'd like to start this sermon with a quick thank you, namely to whoever wrote Becca in Kids in Christ, because it's going to start with a quick critique of one of her previous sermons. I know it doesn't start like this, and it tends to be frowned upon, but do bear with me. Uh, It was just before Christmas on Matthew 1, 18 to 25. You may remember it. It's centred on that stalwart of nativity plays everywhere, the innkeeper, and how he actually didn't exist. No record in the Bible, no record in history, and what that meant for everyone. And the talk, it was, the talk was thought-provoking, it was true, it certainly gave me something to think about, and it was also thoroughly demoralising. For you see, when I was young, an inability to act or sing meant the innkeeper was the only part of the nativity play that I was ever cast as. And to suddenly find out he doesn't exist... Well, thank you for the festive merriment. Thank you for filling me for the festive spirit. And they say, I'm the one who's like Scrooge. I should hope it's plainly obvious I am joking. 
Now, I have enjoyed the sermon series, Looking Inside the Christmas Story, where those on the edges of the nativity play have found themselves suddenly at the heart of it. And during that, we have seen some parts of the retelling of the story aren't always that accurate. I'm not trying to be a killjoy again, that was last year, but I was glad I got to preach on this. Because when it comes to pointing out things that are inaccurate, my family tell me I'm a really annoying person to watch TV with, because I'm the one who's pointing out where things aren't accurate, mostly regarding railways. I don't care if it's a feel-good Christmas comedy. If it's set in Macclesfield, why can I see High Wycombe Railway Station? And they don't run direct trains from Kemble to Stoke-on-Trent. That's the basics. And a class 168 does not run on the West Coast main... You get the picture. Who am I to try spoiling your fun? And I'm not trying to spoil anyone's fun. Honest. Thank you. Because behind the inaccuracies in the nativity, when the true nature of the characters is got at, new and wonderful layers to this Christmas story are revealed. As mentioned, we've had the innkeeper not actually existing. We've had the shepherds not being neat, tidy and dressed in tea towels, but instead dirty, grotty and down and outs made part of the story. And now, enter stage left, the magi, often seen as wise men or kings. But like the innkeepers and shepherds, there is far more than your average nativity play would have you believe. It brought them to the centre of this wonderful story, and it will allow us to be joyful, to sing praises and have some optimism as we look into that cold, bleak, dark reality that is the month of January. Matthew 2, verses 1 to 2, page 966 in your Bibles. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the Magi, three wise men or three kings, depending on who you ask. Here, because a star was shining high above. If your average nativity play was to be believed, Mary barely had time to recover from giving birth before these guys, also wearing tea towels, rocked up with the present served to wrap it up in a neat 45-minute production with an interval. However, ask any biblical historian. That just wasn't the case. Look at the text, even. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod. We commonly mark it on Epiphany. Epiphany was yesterday, it's Epiphany Sunday today. But it could be anything from up to two years after Jesus was born. Look at the text again. These three magi, these three wise men, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So, potentially more than three, yes. We call them magi, which is a plural from the Greek magos. Thank you, John. And in English, that would be translated sorcerer. These magi were wise as they were priests of Zoroastrianism, an ancient Iranian religion, hence from the east. So to join the innkeeper that doesn't exist and the shepherds who wore sheep dung rather than dressing gowns, we have three wise men, three kings, who were priests in a different religion that the New Testament called sorcerers. More inaccuracies for me to point out. Hooray! But 
who am I to spoil the fun? It's not my it's not what I'm trying to do. It's not something I particularly want to do. But there's a good point to it. The Magi reach Jerusalem and say, verse 2, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. If you want an inkling of Jesus' power, then there you have it. Priests, Magi, sorcerers, wise men of a different religion are there in Jerusalem. They caught the star and moved east on a walk, a walk that Google Maps tells me would take roughly two and a half weeks at a minimum. But this was only the start for the Magi and for us. Verses three to four. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Herod, you would believe, is something of a cartoon villain from some nativity plays, someone who just didn't like Jesus very much. He was quite a bit more than that. We are talking here about a despotic tyrant who married his brother's wife, forced her to take his own name, hence she was called Herodias, and would happily have his own children beheaded if he thought they were working against him. Here we have a despotic, power-hungry, corrupt little man disturbed little wonder at that verses five to six in bethlehem in judea they replied for this is what the prophet has written but you bethlehem in the land of judah for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people israel herod's little emergency council of chief priests and teachers of the law would have known their old testament would have known their prophecies and would have known exactly what this means. Herod knows what this means for him. And if he would happily have his own children killed, then his actions, which follow, come as no surprise. Verses 7 to 8. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. It is not worship that Herod has in mind at all, but instead saving his own skin, his own survival. There's a reason the chief priests and teachers of the law were in that emergency meeting. He, knows where this ch- he wants to know where this child has been born. He knows what the prophecy says and what it means for him. And he wants to try and win. It's not covered in this passage, but the measures he would take would see thousands killed to try and root out, oppose, and ultimately kill this Messiah. The Magi would have had to have their wits wits about them. They are called wise men, after all, and onward they go. Verse 9, the star they had seen when, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And amongst all this, God still guides, God still pushes through, works his purpose out. The walk to Jerusalem alone would have taken at least two weeks, possibly more. And then onwards to Bethlehem, after meeting Herod, more time, you add more time onto that. Herod ordered the massacre of all those under two years old. What happened was weeks, months, years as part of the story here. 
In most nativity plays, as said, Mary barely has any recovery time before these three and their gifts make an appearance, often towards the conclusion of something small for the Christmas season. Something neat for the Christmas season that then, as we go into January, like so many other things, just fades into memory. It was Christmas two weeks ago. Remember that? Christmas? The joyous welcome of Jesus and all the accompanying um, extras? It feels a bit like a distant memory. I'm back at work tomorrow. Others of you already are. And how are those New Year's resolutions going? Do any of them still exist? Mine don't. And as the festive season fades, the time for relaxing is over, the decorations vanish vanish into the loft, and any semblance of joy seems to pull the same disappearing act. As we enter the cold, dark nights of January, the warmer climes of spring and summer seem that little bit too far away, and the slog begins again. It's a little wonder that eight days from now we have Blue Monday, the scientifically most depressing day of the year, as we begin urging the seasons to hurry spring along. Back to the daily grind and boredom. Except no. Verses 10 to 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. These Zoroastrian priests of an entirely different faith, rejoicing and bowing down to worship, to adore this little baby. And what that would mean for all of us. Blue Monday is something you should not believe. It was created to market holidays using quack science and equations that anyone with even the most basic mathematical training would dismiss. January is often seen as this hangover from the Yuletide extras. But, verse 6, You Bethlehem in the land of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is God incarnate. Power beyond what we dare dream or fear, in a manger as a helpless baby for us to be put through torment for us. This is more than a 45-minute play and a few weeks of partying and a few months of trade fairs. This power unleashes around the world the effects felt far beyond. Our memories of Christmas may fade and another new year may stretch ahead of us. But we have something far bigger that can help us through. It's not going to be easy all the time. It may be difficult. And for those of you who are approaching this new year bracing rather than in an excited and spirit-filled way, we all have our own different challenges to face. But we have the memories of something far bigger to help us through. Let us pray. Lord, let us remember the Christmas story and what it means for us in the arrival of Jesus Christ on earth. No matter what this year has ahead, through the good, the bad, the ups and downs, let us remember the wise men converted and made central to the story and the miracles you can do in our own lives. Amen.